travellers and fellow self-distancers, welcome to another edition of our podcast, You Should Have Been There, with me, Mick Webb. And me, Simon Calder. And yes, we are socially distanced once again. And uh, Mick, uh, with his many years of experiences, going to cut all this together. So it sounds as though we're possibly in the same room, which is um, a good thing because today we're talking about the travelling companion. Um, sometimes plural with me, Mick. Um, I'm afraid, uh, I think I've probably travelled far longer and further with you than I have with anybody, including, um, how can I put it, my nearest and dearest. So this is just lovely walking. Um, we're walking through cacti and uh, through along an old Inca road with the railway running down to one side and the Urubamba River on its way to the Amazon and the Atlantic. Eventually, gentle sun on our backs. What could be nicer? Um, what, what are you uh, worrying about and what are you hoping for? Uh... Right, well, I think what I'm worrying about most of all is that uh, uh, with this extremely heavy pack, not as heavy as yours, uh, but... Uh, no, gracias, no, I don't want a hat. No, 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 tenemos, gracias. No, no, no. No, please, nothing. I don't want any more things to carry anything more. Uh, no, I'm actually worried about altitude sickness, actually. And I've taken a pill called... Diamox, uh, which is a sort of preventative and has some weird side effects. So I'm waiting for my fingers to start tingling. What about you? <laughs> oh gosh, I'm uh, worried about the weather, I'm worried about the weight of the, the stuff that we're carrying because, unlike all the other happy trekkers that we've just left, yeah, who've in got a field, yeah. they've got porters, they've also only got to provide for themselves for about three or four days where we've got everything we've got to be able to live and what we're carrying for the next two weeks. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes, it brings it all flooding back. I suppose one of the things that that makes me think about is two old moaners. Well, actually, we weren't so old at the time. Um, a good recipe for travelling success. Well, we're going to uh, hear other people's views on what makes a good travelling companion a bit later on. And we're also going to discuss... Who from the world of uh, celebrity or at least well-known travellers would be your ideal travelling companion? One thing did occur to me was that um, if you were to take with you someone who was a professional humorist and therefore extremely funny and could make a joke out of just about uh, anything, would that be good? Uh, for instance, I was listening to uh, Milton Jones, a comedian I find extremely funny on Radio 4 the other day. And he said, um, I decided to go on a round-the-world trip. I kept a travel diary. January the 1st, Afghanistan. January the 5th, Albania. January the 10th, Algeria. 
It would have been cheaper if I hadn't decided to do it alphabetically. <laughs> uh, yes. OK, well, a couple of things there. First of all, I can imagine that jokes may wear thin uh, by the time you reach uh, Machu Picchu, let alone Vilcabamba, um, deep in the uh, uh, jungle of, of Peru. And furthermore, it's more practical to have somebody who say, I think you'll find that... Uh, if you'd done the other end of the alphabet, it would be much easier because, um, well, assuming you could regard the Democratic Republic of Congo as Zaire, then Zaire to Zambia to Zimbabwe really isn't that difficult. Although, of course, these days everything is difficult. That is why I obviously have chosen to travel with you so often. That's very good. Thank you. Um, also, it must be quite difficult to make a pun about Vilcabamba, the last city of the Incas, don't you think? Uh, yes, but we've, as always, we welcome listeners' um, views on this and you can contact us through Anchor FM. And, of course, you can read us your own limerick involving Vilcabamba or indeed any other location if you would like to create one. Anchor.fm slash you should have been there without any spaces between the words. Now, on the subject of what makes a good travelling companion, or indeed how many travelling companions make up a good travelling team, I spoke to Alec, who had a gap year experience in Latin America. That must be about 13 years ago now. He went travelling from Central America down to Argentina with three friends. Uh, it's a pretty eclectic group. So one of us was a sort of amazing romantic where you just desperately want to do the most wonderful and amazing things. The other was a practical mathematician and the other was a crazy risk taker and I sat somewhere in the middle. And that kind of collective somehow made you go and do pretty adventurous, fun things. So we, we had our own sort of slogan for our group, which was the Martyrs of Idiocy, which somehow stuck where wherever we went, we'd have to try and do the most ridiculous activity we possibly could. If you are away for four, five months with the same four people, you do have to bring together a, a uniting theme that keeps you all together as a group. We never had a bust up. We didn't have any like big arguments, which I think is pretty rare and quite impressive. Uh, certainly everybody else, because we were obviously... Uh, speaking to all of our friends who were doing the same sort of things, only in different parts of the world. And we were quite impressed by the fact that we'd retained a level of camaraderie because everyone else kind of bro broke up after a few weeks and would go off and do their own separate things. I mean, I think you'd learn the, the sort of foibles of each other. One of us would, without fail, demand to eat 250 grams of pasta at every meal which is sort of three times the required amount per person. So if we were going to go shopping, we'd have to buy between four of us two kilos of pasta to then cook in a sort of dodgy hostel somewhere, which would be complicated in its own way. But and at the beginning, we the rest of us couldn't quite believe the sheer quantities of food we were eating. And the reason why we were eating this was because one of our party was a seriously proficient athlete who did a lot of sports work when he back back at home and then we just got into that and we all just started eating 250 grams of pasta whenever we ate anything so that became 
kind of we just embodied that. That became normal. I forgot to ask how many kilos they put on by the time they'd finished. But one thing I did want to know was, were they still talking to one another after their uh, four-month experience? Yeah, we try and have a kind of reunion every now and then. And then what we'd meet up to talk about would have been that crazy moment 10 years before or 11 years before or five years before. So on this day, 13 years ago, we'd have been uh, on a tiny island in Honduras having a, a drink in a bar. And then someone's great decision was to sort of strip naked, throw ourselves into the sea from the bar without thinking that actually we'd then need to climb up the slippery, dangerous wooden structure into the bar where there were hundreds of people all having a drink, put our clothes back on and then sort of walk back, slightly red-faced, but at the same time feeling like we'd had quite a good night. so interesting because I've travelled on a number of occasions with two male friends and it generally I find works quite well although there is a tendency for one person to be as it were I suppose the the, the um the butt of jokes from the other two um uh, and I've most certainly found that in the case of my dear friends uh, Roy and Tim uh, with whom I first ventured to Spain the thing is, we had a great and, and uh, eye-opening experience travelling to these uh, distant parts of Iberia, as was then. And would you believe we did the same thing on the 40th anniversary? Uh, and of course, it was far easier. But I'm not sure that we had such a great experience the second time as we did on the first, even though it was in, of course, greater comfort. Were you still taking the mickey out of one another or was anybody the butt of everybody else's jokes in the same way the second time round? and might i say in the spirit of milton jones and thinking about alex um uh, naked experience that the butt of uh, uh, jokes is absolutely the right thing to be talking about here uh yes i think i it, it was just very different because we were at such a different stage of life we had you know, jobs and families and worries and health issues indeed for, for one of us. And so it was a more burdened journey. Um, however, I had exactly the opposite uh, experience um, a, a couple of years later. Um, this was going to Russia for the World Cup in 2018. Um, where I travelled with my very old friend, um, Ian, who's even older than me, and um, a, a, a top uh, TV producer who I just happened to encounter, and I mentioned that we were going to the same match as him. And um, we travelled together, and it was a huge success, even though a more kind of disparate group of people would be hard to imagine. A retired civil engineer, the top TV producer, and me. And uh, we actually hugely enjoyed it, although I do recall, that uh, that maybe I was I was the butt of their jokes once again. I think there's a pattern emerging here, Mick. Um, can we? Uh, yes, uh, if you know any good psychotherapy podcasts, do let me know. <laughs> the number of people travelling is actually quite interesting, isn't it? I, I was quite surprised to hear that uh, Alex 
team of four was a, a very successful one. Then you're talking about three being a successful one. And I suppose that if you were to take the old adage, two heads are better than one, then clearly three heads are better than two and four are better than three until at some point when actually it doesn't work anymore. I would say that it doesn't work anymore um, once you reach probably four. That's that, I think that must be the maximum. Have you ever been with a group of people that's bigger than four trying to decide in a, a lovely French uh, town where there's plenty of restaurants, trying to decide which one to go in? It is painful. I've got an experience that bears that out, rather. Um, when I was in Barcelona with quite a lot of members of my family and my uh, partner's family, uh, and I was the only Spanish speaker, and, well, guess what we did? We went to a tapas restaurant, and I think there were ten of us, and I've got to say that that was one of the <laughs> lengthiest and most painful experiences I've ever had travelling, I think. And, and you've you've had to do the same with me. So we uh, frequently will traverse the Pyrenees. Um, and although you don't speak Catalan, you speak uh, far better French and, and Spanish than I ever will. And yes, so uh, in fact, I've actually now realised why it is I go travelling with you. It's nothing to do with your your um, uh, many qualities as a, a good companion. It's purely because um, uh, you're you're more more easily available than Google Translate. How about that? <laughs> uh, okay, I'll get my own. Back. Back in a minute, but um, I don't think we've quite exhausted the um, the subject of someone being the butt of the jokes. Now, uh, I have read a number of works by a travelling writer called Redmond O'Hanlon. Have you come upon him? Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, a very entertaining adventure travel writer who's kind of cornered the market in jungle expeditions of a really quite, um, a quite intense kind. But his trick seems to be to take with him an entirely inappropriate person. Uh, like a poet, for example, to um, the Far East. Uh, I think that was James Fenton. And then um, my favourite book, which is called In Trouble Again, um, he set out on a four-month expedition up the Orinoco and across the Amazon basin in search of a very remote Brazilian community called the Yanomani, who were reputed to be incredibly ferocious and not in the slightest bit well disposed towards unexpected guests. Now, on this occasion, O'Hanlon decided to take with him an old chum from Oxford. He was called Stockton, um, and uh, he's... <laughs> He appeared to be uh, working um, as a casino manager <laughs> in Knightsbridge um, when he decided to, to accept O'Hanlon's uh, invitation, not knowing that everybody else had turned <laughs> Redmond O'Hanlon down. Um, and this is what he is reputed to have said, alleged to have said. I went without the faintest idea of what I was getting into. When you travel with Redmond, you end up in Shit Creek before you realise it. On those trips, he's nothing like the bumbling buffoon or affable clown he is at home. This is an extract from the book where Stockton 
about halfway through the river journey and before they've even got to the um, supposedly incredibly dangerous, possibly headhunting Yanumani territory, uh, decides that he's had enough of it all and basically bails out in um, in mid-trip. And he has this kind of absolutely brilliant soliloquy, which, um, I mean, obviously, as reported by O'Hanlon, but this is how it goes. It goes, um, why should I put up with all of this? That's what I want to know. You tell me. I can't stand it. Why should I? Why should I be stung by ants and wasps and hornets and bees all day long? I've been thinking about this. It's nothing but rain and mosquitoes and the same bloody awful trees and endless rivers and disgusting food and being wet all the time. There's no comradeship. There's no wine, no women, no song and nowhere sensible to shit. (laughs) I'm... I'm sorry, I said, you'll think differently in the morning. No, I bloody won't, said Simon, his eyes white in the murk. Okay, that wasn't you, that was Simon Stockton, and he did indeed um, up sticks, as it were, and leave the expedition. Um, But we've never had anything quite as bad as that, have we? I don't think so. Um, And, of course, travelling with one companion has many, many potential benefits. Um, Obviously, safety, actually, and if you're doing something um, tricky in the mountains, then that's always a a very good uh, idea. Um, uh, Support. Um, emotional, um, sometimes physical, I guess, um, and and somebody to to do the heavy lifting and also to share the tasks because if you're planning quite a trip, then it's very good to be able to rely on someone to uh, uh, to, to sort out the nitty gritty. I find which you um, you do seem to do remarkably well. Another reason, um, besides your translating abilities, I, I I've just um, happened upon for for why I might uh, uh, possibly contemplate travelling with you again if we are ever allowed to go further than the edge of the garden. Well, your mention of um, heavy lifting uh, actually does bring me to um, a very positive thing that I would say about you, which is you are very good at carrying not only what I would consider to be a ludicrously over-heavy pack yourself, but also um, adding to it all kinds of things which uh, I'm loath to um, actually carry myself, even though they're quite important, maybe even essential, because I really don't like carrying um, very heavy uh, weights, particularly up very steep mountain slopes. And um, I do remember at one point during our trips, I think it was the one when we were going in search of the lost last city of the Incas, having to describe your backpack, which was a bright red in colour and looked like and was about the same size as an old fashioned English pillar box. <laughs> I'm just looking at it now and you're exactly right. Yes, it's it's looking quite forlorn in the corner, as am I, um, because it can't uh, travel anywhere. But, uh, well, how, how, how very, very generous of, of, of you. Um, I, I suppose at this stage we do need to reveal our inner thoughts about the, the other. And I would say that... Although we have a tendency to augment each other's failings, such as overconfidence in our ability to know where we are and where we are going, which has caused us some considerable problems in, in, in the past, at least we're kind of of similar mind about what we're trying to achieve and why we want to achieve it, which is which is good. But of course... We each have our own rituals. Um, yours is the ritual of the socks. 
um, which which must be multi-fiber, must be uh, must 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 be put on in exactly the right way. All of which is fine, except it consumes generally about twenty minutes of useful daylight, and uh, therefore jeopardizes our chances ever of reaching our slightly overambitious goal at the end of the day. So go on then. <laughs> I must say that it's not just my socks. I never have managed to find a pair of boots that actually remain done up for more than about them. Um, 40 minutes which means it must be irritating to my traveling companion or companions because it's very irritating to me as well i'm just when things are going incredibly well i sort of glance down uh, or trip over something and think oh what was that and it's one of my bootlaces that's come undone oh gosh um well yes and and uh, of course um, uh, he, he sort of mentioned i guess a sense of recrimination which um clearly uh, uh redmond o'hanlon's um uh, long-suffering travel companion uh, uh found um uh, I, there there are always times though when you however uh, even tempered you are that you you are going to lose it um on a long and difficult journey um with uh, um however however magnanimous and marvelous your travel companion is i mean getting out of bed on the wrong side is something that um, all of us can do and actually if your bed happened to have been the dirt floor of a kind of rather badly maintained um school classroom it's actually even easier to not be in a very good mood when you get up. Um, I do remember on our um, epic trip to find the last city of the Incas, you losing it over something as minor as a fried chicken sandwich, which we'd stopped off in a village to um, try and acquire. Now 10 to 8, the prognosis for the day is 10 or 11 hours, which uh, has us arriving after dark. Any idea what's going on? I don't think there's much we can do about it, except um, wait in a patient Andean way and get ready to run up some mountains, which I'm not sure I really feel like doing today. I don't know about you. Eventually we got on the trail and a muleteer coming in the opposite direction confirmed my fear that we'd left ourselves with far too much to do after the wait for that takeaway chicken. I'm sorry if I've been stroppy this morning, but I just felt... Yeah, you have. We we set off woefully late, two hours after we should have set off. We knew it was going to be 10 or 11 hours at the moment. It wasn't um, my fault. Well, it was just pathetic piece of organisation or disorganisation. Um, Anyway, uh, I mean, at the time we set off, it looked as though we would arrive at seven at night, i.e. too late to do anything. It's been absolutely miserable morning, trudging mostly through mud, um, large amounts of climbing, which is a bit unfair since I thought we were pretty much on the descent. And um, uh, old Narciso, top man that he is, is happily chewing on a piece of um, our chicken and enjoying the sort of lunchtime sunshine when I think we should be um, getting on a bit. Well, of course, everything actually ended up just fine. Narciso became uh, our greatest friend. The estimate of how long it was going to take actually turned out to be wildly over-exaggerated for once. And um, we all um, made up and forgot about it. I must say, though, I've been thinking about you as a travelling companion when you have been 
genuinely upset with with me uh, rather than just mildly irritated and actually both of them have, have involved safety and and your concern that uh, that we weren't doing things right um uh, one was um uh, actually on that same trip when we were finally emerging from uh, Vilcabamba from uh, Espiritu Pampa when on the way out, which took um, was possibly even more of an ordeal than going in, um, I went miles ahead and you finally caught up with me and were quite rightly um, uh, expressing concern about what would happen if you turned an ankle. And then the other one was in the Pyrenees a couple of years later when... Um, I uh, we, we I failed to consult. I had the map, um, and I thought, okay, we can make it a little bit further. As it happened, we, f- by some miracle, blundered through the darkness, through the gloom, through the rain, and found a hut. Um, where we could uh, spend the night, but you quite rightly said, "Well, hang on, uh, two hours ago you should have told me what what the future could hold, and we might have made a different decision." Um, but I've um, the only person I've travelled with, possibly nearly as much as you, is my um, uh, dear wife Charlotte. And um, so, before I gave her a cup of tea, I asked her to rate my. Um, uh, my, my my role as a travel companion. Here we are. I suppose there's no one who um, I would more want to travel with than with you because um, we always pack or we pack loads and loads of things in. Uh, you always know what you want to do and you always know where you're going, which is really quite incredible. So if I go somewhere with you, then um, I know that I've pretty much seen absolutely everything there is to see. And also we move very quickly. So, you know, sometimes I would like a little bit more time between sort of rushing from um, a plane to train to bus. But you're joyful as a, as, as a travel companion. You, uh, you, you love to travel. You, you love to see the new things. Um, you get very, very excited about uh, where we are and what we are experiencing. And that joy is, is really, is just really lovely to see and is infectious. <laughs> very good how much money changed hands uh, no no money at all but a cup of tea uh, indeed was um, uh, was delivered well good for charlotte i think i'd second that but let's get on and think about great well-known travelers really who we would have liked to have traveled with i thought about this quite a lot and uh, i was very keen on robert louis stevenson simply because i like the wry observation of people and places um, in his writing Um, and even more important the fact that he had a degree in medicine from Edinburgh University because I am um, a great hypochondriac uh, never more so than when I'm traveling and I thought it'd be good to have a medical man about the place but also he did indeed suffer from quite serious health problems and I think he might have been ill quite a lot so I'm afraid I've had to um, throw him out of the canoe and I have settled for the young David Attenborough because I saw a series about him um, collecting animals for a zoo, which was uh, it was recently um, put out again by the BBC. And I've got to say, what an in- 
enthusiastic, knowledgeable, and and just generally nice person he came across as. So I'm going for him. Well, look, um, I shall I shall uh, go for uh, Fritjof uh, Nansen. Not quite as famous, I must say, as Roald Amundsen, his uh, fellow Norwegian who was first to the South Pole, but um, a, a marvelous fellow. Um, quite quite a, uh, a Renaissance man. He was an explorer um, first, but also a champion skier, um, diplomat, even rector of uh, St Andrews University in Scotland. Um, and he seems to have all the qualities of of wisdom, of strength, and of um, just vision. Of course, he wanted to be the first man to the North Pole, and even though he didn't make it, he uh, helped others get there and if, if you want to read up on his account of the voyage of the Fram um, that is, is a, quite a magnificent achievement so I'll go, I'll go for Nansen if I may. That's very good I'll just throw into the mix and maybe listeners do let us know how you feel about this and who your ideal travelling companion would be. Amongst people I've um, spoken to about this um, Joanna Lumley uh, scored very highly and uh, I can see why she does seem to be very game for a laugh and um, seems to enjoy um, other places and other people. Alec, who you heard from earlier, suggested El Profesor, um, who <laughs> is the leading character in the very fine Spanish Netflix series Money Heist or Casa de Papel, the endlessly resourceful and um, clever planner of uh, dastardly um, deeds. I'm not sure if that's allowed, but anyway... Just a thought. Well, we've meandered quite a long way from our original theme of the ideal travel companion, but I hope it's given you plenty of thought about the person you might choose to make your next journey with. And we, of course, will be making another sound journey, um, which will be coming to you as podcast number 20, which um, we thought would be a good time to look back with 2020 hindsight at where we have been so far in this podcast adventure. I like the idea of 2020 hindsight. Um, Until next week, then. It's goodbye from me, Mick Webb. And from me, Simon Gordon. Mm-hmm.